Welcome to Education Today, where we'll explore what is possible in education today by covering everything from cool tech to sound pedagogy infused with teacher stories, sprinkled with a little fun, and filled with inspiration from around the globe. I'm your host, Scott Nunes, and this is Education Today. Welcome everyone to Education Today. I'm your host, Scott Nunes. I am so excited to share out about today's guest, Brian Carpenter. So in this episode, uh, I'll be talking about why I decided to include Brian in this People I Admire series. Uh, When I first heard his story on Teachers on Fire, I saw so many parallels. We were already following each other, but I didn't really know a ton about Brian at that time. And I learned more. I learned that he was a a chemist uh, for a pharmaceutical company. And I just thought, wow, that's so cool. And he went through a transition and change in his line of work and got into teaching very similar to myself. And so instantly I felt uh, a deeper connection uh, knowing that right there. And then um, some of the things he was doing were things I was doing. Some of the things he was doing were things I wanted to do, uh, being part of a virtual school. Uh, Well, guess what? We all got that, right? Or most of us. I haven't met anyone that didn't have to do distance learning in some form. So uh, we're all getting some of that experience, but he's continuing to do that and continuing to thrive. Uh, I really like the model of his program. I think it works for some learners. And he was somebody I went to right away when we started um, doing distance learning in the pandemic because he did have a wealth of experience as many of us were trying to figure things out and uh, shout out to fresh air at five his podcast and also his website briancarpenter.com you can follow brian at fresh air at five on twitter for the podcast and then uh, follow his other pieces at Brian Carr, spelled B-R-Y-O-N. And without further ado, Brian, welcome to the show. How are you? Great, Scott. Thanks so much for having me. It's it's a great day. I've been looking forward to this all day, and I just finished a day of teaching and working with my students here at the Abbotsford Virtual School. I'm so glad you hopped on, and I'm excited to uh, as you know, I was up late last night. I, I was doing some edits uh, for my other podcast, doing some work, and then uh, trying to take care of a little baby. <laughs> so uh, I have my hands full juggling all the different hats right now. So I'm a little tired, but this podcast, knowing you were coming on, uh, got me really psyched. So I'm excited as well. And Let's just get right into it. Tell us a little bit about yourself, where are you based out of, and what's your current role in education? All righty, great. Thanks, Scott. Um, well, I'm 
in Abbotsford, British Columbia, like Scott said, which is about an hour east of Vancouver, BC, where the 2010 Winter Olympics were held. Abbotsford's a booming small little city, which enjoys all the amenities of a big city, but we got farm fresh vegetables and the Fraser River that salmon swim up right nearby. It's a slower pace of life out here. We're north of Mount Baker, um, and I look at Mount Baker all summer long and through the days um, in northwestern Washington. So that's just, just below us here. Uh, my current educational role right now, I'm a teacher at the Abbotsford Virtual School. I'm also the secondary department head, which means that I am in a, in a lower leadership level um, role as I work with all of our secondary teachers and as we work with students in an online format. We use a Moodle platform as our learning management system and uh, we take care of many, many, many students. Our school right now, I would guess, has probably got more than 3,000 students because of, not just because of COVID, but that's the number of students that we typically support in a given year. I also work with our middle school um, and secondary students who come into our building for a one day a week program. Um, before COVID, they would come in for two days a week. And during that time, I would work with them on their digital literacy skills, including digital citizenship. I'm a big believer that every one of us is a creative, and I teach them to be creatives within the confines of a web browser, um, working with free tools like Google Apps for Education, Adobe Spark, and WeVideo. So that's a little bit about me, and uh, we'll we'll keep talking a little bit more as we go on here. Yeah, I, I love those apps. I'm a big fan. I'm not super well-versed in WeVideo because we have different applications that we use that mm -hmm. do essentially the same thing, but I know it comes highly recommended from what I've seen uh, produced as well as like the product shares at conferences like ISTE seems like a great program if you're investing money in that. We focus primarily on the Adobe Creative Suite. We have access to that. Our students have mm -hmm. access to it. So we have a ton of licenses. And so uh, we use Spark, uh, Adobe Premiere Pro, and Adobe uh, Premiere Rush mm -hmm. uh, as well. Probably primarily Adobe uh, Premiere Rush for the um, for the video thing. So those are cool. Um, another Adobe one that's free, since you mentioned free, I'm all about free and not having to pay, is Adobe Fresco. I watched uh, Daniel Flores. You can follow him okay. on Twitter at Delta Tango Mike. And he was showing how he uses Fresco on his phone, on his tablet, and then talking about how he can use it on the desktop and pull it in into these higher end programs like Illustrator, Photoshop, if he's doing high-end uh, client work. Uh, and he might start with a sketch. And there's so much you can do. You can bring in all these different artistic mediums, uh, watercolors, charcoal, oils. And having worked with some of that, it mirrors the actual physical elements really well. But you have one huge plus, and that's that you can easily redo things and erase. You can mess you can mess up and completely undo it. Whereas in real life, yeah. uh, you mess up, you might have to start over again. That's right. Well, that's cool. Okay. So Fresco, that's a new one to me. And uh, yeah. so I just, I'm actually downloading it right now onto my phone and I'm going to take a look at that a bit later. So thanks so much for that tip. Hopefully that, that starts like a new movement for you. And speaking of 
movements. What's a pivotal movement in your career, either a high or a low point, something that really transformed you as a person? Well, I'm going to tell you about two of them um, now today. And uh, one pivotal moment. Well, there have been many pivotal moments in my life. And, uh, you know, it all goes back to when I was in high school and dreams and aspirations right after high school and getting into university. But uh, one such was when I was a research scientist at the pharmaceutical company in Langley, just east of us here. Um, when I was there, I was there for about six years and uh, doing lots of great science. We, I was a chemist in a lab working in an organic chemistry lab and we would do scale ups and we were making progress. We were the little pharmaceutical company that could big companies, they were watching to see how our research was going. And it came down to one day that we had a hostile board takeover because the company needed money. And one of the board members said, hey, how about we ask, uh, you know, I, I get some more money to you. And they, they, the board said no. And he goes, well, we'll ask the rest of the stakeholders tomorrow. And that started the end of the, the that was the beginning of the end um, of our little pharmaceutical company. And uh, about nine months later, our company was sold um, right out from underneath us. That spurred me to pursue a career in education. I had been thinking about education prior, um, but didn't have a smooth transition from one to the other. And well, you know, losing your job, I guess that's a smooth transition if you look at it that way. Um, I retrained. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we, I, I, we, I ended at the pharmaceutical company, you know, getting laid off. And uh, we had our second child. And it got me thinking. Um, that was way back in 2006 that I, you know, thought about becoming a teacher and seriously pursued that. So that was one pivotal moment. Another pivotal moment was in January of 2015, as I just stepped out of the vice principal shoes at my school. I was an acting VP for a month, working with our principal as our vice principal had to take a leave. I handed the reins back to the VP when he returned, then under... Um, then was approached by our digital learning department to consider applying for a helping teacher for technology role. Um, I came back and said, you know, I like my job here um, because I like, I, you know, it's been, it was a, a busy, crazy month and I was like not ready for another change right at that moment. And I said, you know, I really like my job, but my wife said, you said what? And I went, okay, give me a second. I'll write an email. So I did. And the next day I put my application in for that position. Um, I got accepted for it, obviously. And uh, it was a temporary contract of 18 months. Um, but within that time, I worked with three stellar educators. That'd be David Ennis and Deirdre Degagne and Gary Taves, who grew my understanding of ed tech to the point that I was um, really integrated in our Google Apps for Education and Google Classroom coming to our school district and becoming a forerunning player in our technologies that we had. Um, I was also there when our first Chromebooks landed in our district um, and we had 15 Chromebooks that came to us from a grant and uh, it was like, wow, what are these devices, right? And now in my district, I bet we have probably close to 6,000 Chromebooks in our devices that are used by staff and students so um you know getting laid off from your job that's a pivotal moment and then uh the helping teacher role was another one that made a big difference in my life yeah and you know one of the things i can really relate to with both of those is that it greatly mirrors my own journey so I got laid off as a graphic designer. Um, I did some hustling on the side for a number of years, tried freelancing, tried doing some other things. Um, 
tried my hand at online business mm-hmm. and um, did okay with the online business stuff, but I was always hustling and um, I didn't like the ebb and flow I was experiencing, um, at least the way I approached it. You know, I didn't have like great success. I had minimal success and was cranking out all these hours and I just didn't want to wait any longer. And so that's how I got into education. I started exploring fields and uh, started taking classes for nursing and education, fell in love with the education side, dropped all the nursing courses. And then um, with my new transition into my uh, digital technology coaching role, Mm -hmm. you know, it's very similar to yours. uh, And I love it. There are aspects I completely miss from the classroom. Mm -hmm. I miss seeing the kiddos every day. I, I'm missing that spark. There's like this vitality that mm-hmm. students have that I can kind of grasp onto and feed off of that really just brings out excitement and energy, makes me feel so youthful. I'm not old by any means, but uh, it, it makes me feel like you know, I'm a young adult again, um, just with like boundless energy and mm-hmm. interest and and desire to like go conquer the world. And I I love to help facilitate um, knowledge and help guide them through that. Right. Um, What draws you or drew you to education? What keeps you in the field? Um, Well, I, I I was an educator when I was in my master's program at the university of Calgary. Um, I was doing, chemical research. I was a, a master's student and uh, part of my way to get paid was to be a TA in an undergrad lab. And I worked in an undergrad lab and, and worked with a really brilliant scientist who was, you know, educationally focused uh, and working with our undergrads. And uh, he got me hooked on working with my students. Well, I, I guess I was already hooked on working with my students, but gave me a place to work more with students and uh that was a tension in matt in my grad program because my boss wanted me to get my program done so i could you know move on and get a job but i was like no no i gotta work with my students so that was then and then while i was at at the pharmaceutical company i worked with science world in vancouver and they had a volunteer program where they asked scientists to go to schools and classrooms and talk about science so it's like having you know a like a field trip but have it we brought it to them and uh doing so there i was like well this is pretty fun i really enjoy the presentation part and enjoy working with students just even for one day to learn something and i thought that was pretty cool um and then you know it it wasn't until i got laid off that i could actually seriously think about that you know because you work all through university to get your master's and you're like well i gotta work in this field for a while because i put so much time into it and it came to an end and i i retrained and had two you know wonderful faculty associates in my in my one year you know teacher training program um that i got my bachelor's of education and uh, they challenged me to think about you know who i was and how i can relate to students and it was just a wonderful, wonderful experience. Um, yeah, you know, in a very, very former life, when I was in high school, I, my favorite class in school was graphic arts. Like, I enjoyed graphic arts. That was my favoriteest class. I was a good student, you know, math and English and all those. You know, I struggled with English, so I'm not a big reader. But high school was kind of, eh, it was just there. But I found my jam and my joy in uh, the graphic arts shop. And back then, that was before we had computers. 
that was before we had desktop publishing at all, right? And I remember doing typesetting with letters, you know, lead letters and all those fonts that came in a tray with all the thousands and thousands of letters to make <laughs> business cards, right? And and right. My, 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 my interest in graphic arts actually stems back to my dad who ran and operated um, most of my life when I was young, uh, four color Heidelberg press. So, you know, he used to run a four color press and print documents for people and business documents and things like that. And, uh, you know, so graphic arts has kind of been in my blood forever. And I'm really thankful now that I get to do graphic arts with my students here at my school. I would have liked to have grown up with that, uh, as well. I guess I did have some early influences as well. I, I think one of my most memorable early ones that really stuck with me is my parents had a martial arts studio growing up. They ran it from about the time I was six until right before my 12th birthday. Um, and they passed it on um, to a family member. And then eventually um, they dissolved all of their stakes and we gifted it to some former students who, who took it on and ran it for several more years. Uh, but when they came up with their branding and logo design and all the conceptual art that came with it, all of the sketches that they, they came up with with themselves and all of the examples for how they wanted the graphics in the studio to mm -hmm. look like. And then mm -hmm. my dad, out of construction materials, built um, little sample models out of plywood and we spray painted them and it looked really cool. Uh, it got me really interested. And I remember saying to myself when I saw their business card, like, oh, I want to do that someday. It, it just really popped and got me interested. Um, and I like the idea of doing it on the computer because, hey, uh, it's a little bit easier. <laughs> you can erase those mistakes exactly, exactly. more easily. Yeah. So I like that. I don't know that I could have made it uh, back in the day with all the gaff tape and all the tools you needed uh, to be successful. Uh, there are ways to kind of erase things, but uh, not as easily no kidding, as right? uh, Photoshop and Illustrator make it. That's right. It just costs lots of money to go to the store and buy a new piece of wood, right? So Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. You you can just hit clear on your artboard and you're good. If That's you need right. to start all over, just undo and, yep. and you're good. You know, right now we're still in the middle of this pandemic. This thing will not go away, seemingly. Mm -hmm. um, can't wait until it does, to be honest. Uh, I'm definitely fatigued. I am amazed at how long I have gone. Uh, how has this this virus, the whole pandemic, everything associated with it impacted your journey in education. It was pretty surreal back in March. You know, we had spring break um, start the day that we got the news that, uh, well, March 13th, um, spring break started for us on the Monday for two weeks. So we went into spring break and, uh, my friends, there's th three couples and my wife and I were planning to go to Mexico and we had to cancel our trip. So that was a big downer and a big bummer that, you know, didn't get to happen. You know, we'd worked really hard and, you know, I was working hard as a teacher and I'm like, I need a break and it's going to be great. And then we canceled all that the, on Friday the 13th. 
that week of spring break, those two weeks, you know, we were kind of stuck at home, you know, with cabin fever. So what did I do? I did pro D. I learned stuff. I was like getting in on the Zoom and Google Meets and trying to understand video conferencing, you know? So that was one thing right away that changed and how that affected me in, in education. Coming back, um, we didn't come back. We came back to remote learning and uh, we weren't in the building. And that was kind of a mind bender because our online classes, they just carried on. They were fine. My students that were in the online are like, well, what do we do? And I'm like, well, you just carry on because that's what we're going to do. We're just right. going to have to change the way we do supervised exams. You know, we're going to have to do, uh, you know, video conferencing supervision of exams where I watch your screen and watch you and make sure you don't get up from your computer and somebody else sits down. Right. Um, you know, so there were things that we had to, that we were able to do right away because of technology. And other things that we had to do because of technology and, you know, our face-to-face -face classes that we enjoyed the community of the students in the building. And, you know, like you talk about that energy, you know, of having students in the building and doing cool things and working on projects. And it's like, now we got to go remote, you know, we use Google Classroom in my face-to-face -face classes for our, you know, small learning management system, but we continued to do that. And some of the classes, you know, that we had, we had video conferences with others, we didn't. And I made it optional office hours with Carpenter. Well, I sat there for many, many, many weeks by myself waiting for someone to show up. And so making it optional, that wasn't a great idea. You know, I, that's, that's one thing that I learned. Um, you know, our online is continuing. We went into the summer um, because we're a smaller school, our graduation, we were able to actually have, we had 10 students that were planning on coming to our graduation from our school. Um, so our, we have a small graduation class because most of the students that take courses with us are at regular high schools to fill in their timetable. Um, so our, of our full-time students, we had 28 in our grad class this year. And we had 10 that said they wanted to come to graduation. And we, from the public health office, said that we're allowed to have 50 people in a room at one time. So in their, in their family groupings, those 10 students had family members come, camp, come to our school. And we were the only school in our city that had a proper, like our full-on graduation ceremony. Everybody else had to do it very different than what we did. That's that so was, cool. It was so awesome that we could provide this opportunity because we had our, one of our first students that, you know, did all of his education with us graduate this year. So that was pretty special to be able to celebrate them. Coming back in the fall, um, we've had to reduce our face-to-face -face classes from two days a week to one day a week um, for our middle school and our secondary students. So that changes things because it's just in the building, like on Tuesdays and Thursdays, we have half the number of students. Our classes are less than 10 students in a class compared to what we had last year of 20, right? And so mm -hmm. it just changes the community because um, we don't have the same opportunity that we had. Um, my daughters at their middle school, you know, they're back face to face and they're in their classrooms of, I, I think they're about 24 um, in all their classrooms and they're a, called a learning group. So they're allowed to be together because we've agreed that they can be together, all of us that send our kids there. And uh, outside of that, through the hallways, they got to wear face masks and outside in the playground, they got to wear face masks and on the bus, they got to wear face masks. And I got to wear a face mask when I'm, you know, working with different students, you know, side by side. Um, so that's kind of a, kind of a drag, but uh, it has impacted our education here because it has silver lining of all this 
has really nudged everybody forward in their digital literacy. Teachers that were reluctant before still had to do it, but they were reluctant, but they had to use the technology differently. You know, I see in our district, we see a great uptake from of Google Classroom and Google Meets and teachers that were like, well, I can't do that to, well, no, I actually can do that. So it was, it was, a, it's a great opportunity. Um, and we just need to take and figure out how we're going to use this opportunity as opposed to wallowing in the past going, oh, it's not like it used to be, right? Right. That doesn't help anybody. Uh, to just sit there and wallow. And I noticed individuals, either teachers or students, or I, I, maybe even admin, I, I think admin, for the most part, realized what was going on in wallowing in your sorrows was not going to help anything. But those that did, mm. you know, they just thought, ah, this is going to go away. You know, I don't need to do any of these things. I don't need to move on. I'm just going to wait until things go back to normal. Well, guess what? We're rounding the corner of like eight months uh, <laughs> dealing with this. Exactly. Uh, it, it's not going anywhere for certain in the near future. We still need to hang on. Exactly. And many have adapted, yeah. which is great. And I get it. You know, we're we're making the best decisions we can with the information we have at the time. And then you got to factor in hope, <laughs> right? We need hope that things will get better and return to uh, a normal. Uh, so I'm hoping for that as well. And the sooner, the better. I really like what you were able to share with the differences between your all virtual kiddos and mm -hmm those that kind of uh, weren't with you full time. Any advice for those going back face to face or in a hybrid setting? I would say you need to relax. You know, like if you're if you're moving between these two places, you if it's the first time you're going to do this, it's not going to work perfectly. And you can't beat yourself up if it doesn't go the first lesson doesn't go well. Um, in, you know, in a new space, like give yourself some grace, be gentle with yourself, because the technology is new, you know, we haven't done this before, this is unprecedented times, and we have to be okay with not being perfect at things. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. And in the same vein, what, what's one workflow or productivity pro tip you have? Well, my word for 2020, before all of this, and uh, I came up with the word relentless. So hashtag relentless, um, meaning that you don't give in, you don't quit, you don't stop. I work all the time, so that's my pro tip. I just work all the time. But no, that you can't do that. But, uh, but truly, I don't stop working as I'm always thinking about how and what I can teach my students and to keep it fresh. You know, as I'm going through my weekend and I'm like, going through person, you know, family stuff, things come to mind. I'm like, oh, I could add that to the lesson. I could do this with my students. And, uh, you know, it's hard to push work away when you're a teacher. My wife gets, you know, says, oh, you need to stop working. And I'm like, well, I get, I'm thinking it just, it's, it doesn't go away. Um, so that's just one thing, you know, just be, be intentional as you work um, and also make sure you take time for yourself. Um, a second pro tip um, is to have something to look forward to beyond your regular workplace or job. Um, yes. You know, and for me, um, 
back in 2014, I got complacent here at AVS and we had paper packages and we were just getting into our online teaching more and more. And uh, I had the opportunity before I became a helping teacher to um, present at a conference. My VP handed me an iPad one day and said, what can you do with this here at AVS? And I thought, hmm. I can use it myself, but what can I do with it? I can, and I learned to use a stylus, and I did all my marking of all my online student work for two years, and I didn't touch paper for two years. My students would send in their work through our online platform as a PDF file. I would upload it to the iPad, I would mark it up, and then I would send it back to them as a marked up PDF. And uh, that got me thinking about, wow, how can I share this? And my supervisor, my boss, um, principal, um, he encouraged me to, hey, why don't you present your, what you're doing and put it together in a presentation? So that got me started in this conference thinking and way of presenting and uh, sharing what I know. You know, little old me, I got a little bit to share and I think somebody might be able to benefit from that you know and as we go through and you think about how what can I share what can I present on you know find one thing that you enjoy doing that is pat you're passionate about and start presenting on that so from 2014 that led into me being a helping teacher where my job was present pre, you know presenting all the time and it was at the district level but you had to do workshops and talks and things like that and then after I came back from being a helping teacher back to the Abbotsford Virtual School, I ran into EdTech Team and uh, EdTech Team Canada really leveraged and gave me an opportunity to be a presenter at their conferences. And we had two Google Summits here in Abbotsford. And if I hadn't thought about doing something beyond my regular job, my positional job, and feeding into my professional life, um, I would not be where I am today. And that's what keeps me excited. And, you know, so I encourage you to find something you can talk about and be brave and step up to the microphone and talk about it. Yeah, I second that completely. I, I've done a bit of presenting over the last few years. And I think the most important part about presenting too is finding that thing you are most interested in. And if you're not sure, you could be kind of like me, and it can be a little bit of trial and error. Like maybe you start presenting on something and you realize like, oh, I don't know about this. Uh, for me, it, it shifted. I, I love to talk about teacher stories and uplifting not only student voice, but teacher voice. So I speak about that. And then mm -hmm. I also really like to speak about STEM, particularly 3D printing. But mm -hmm. now that's shifting. And now in this new role, um, you know, I'm going a little bit more into adult ed and, mm -hmm. you know, uh, the ed tech coach side. So I think mm -hmm. I'll start presenting uh, under that umbrella now once I get a little bit more experience under my belt and hopefully once COVID slows down <laughs> a little bit yeah. I got my first presentation like I said uh, coming up here in November uh, mid-November there uh, and the that'll, be, that'll be online that'll be online yeah okay. yeah online um, I can't remember if it's free or there's a cost associated with it um, 
I know I, I put it towards my boss as something I wanted to do, mm-hmm. uh, like an approved conference. Like I have like this long list, right? Yep. Like yep. SD, FETC, TCEA, all these. Yep. Uh, and I'll just take whatever, <laughs> whatever I can get uh, with that. I just absolutely love PD, love connecting. Yep. Uh, I was really bummed we couldn't connect this summer in person. I was really looking forward to that and spending right. some time with you. Yeah. Uh, but Corona had other plans for us. Uh, I was hoping Tim Cavey could come out too and, you know, we could hang out and uh, that would have been a blast. Who knows? Maybe this next one, maybe not. Who knows? Maybe I'll need to head up there to some Canadian uh conference uh the pictures you take are just gorgeous uh I'm, I'm just always amazed i've actually talked to my wife about taking a trip up there <laughs> to should. see how nice it is it's pretty nice it's we, we we live in a beautiful place here in british columbia like it's spectacular absolutely i grew up in alberta and uh you know, with the Canadian Rockies right there. Well, that's another spectacle. But where I live now, I love where I live so much. It's so good. So okay, we can talk about that for a long time and where to go on vacation. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's another conversation, uh, you know, on a with a cup of coffee early in the morning one day somewhere. Yeah, that that sounds good. I better get my bottom and my family over to, to Canada so we can make that happen. That's right. Um uh, and speaking about connecting, particularly yeah. with people right now, since we, um, you know, have to distance ourselves physically, uh, who would be some great people to follow on social media? I spend most of my time on Twitter. That's my educational, like Facebook. It's not Facebook, but um, I don't do educational stuff on Facebook, but I do it on Twitter. And uh, I follow this guy, uh, Mr. Noons Teach. Oh, that's you. And uh, you're a (laughs) solid individual. And, you know, I like how you drive educational thinking and provide connection points for many people and telling stories of other teachers you know that inspires me i spend time listening to podcasts because that just encourages me to go you know you're not alone in this so um okay other than you scott um i would (laughs) say i would say uh tim cavey who's mr teachers on fire and if you haven't followed him that's at teachers on fire and he has a podcast and uh, i got into podcasting and my first interview actually was with him back about two and a half years ago which was crazy to think that um you know somebody wanted to hear me talk about what i do another individual to follow is claudio zavella jr and that's at claudio zavella jr um, as he's a creative spirit preaching ed tech to get the job done and uh claudio i've i connected with him about a year ago on twitter and just through you know our interactions a little bit um I found that he has some great resources that he shares on his YouTube channel. And if you want to learn about Adobe Spark and about Rush and other, you know, lightweight um, graphics things, he's got tutorials. And some of those tutorials I've used in my classroom the day after I've seen them because they're palatable by, you know, my middle school and secondary students that we can learn to do some graphic stuff. So that's Claudio. And then uh, one more is the Staff Room Podcast podcast. 
they have a podcast that's on most podcast players and that's Shay Cheney and uh, Pav Wonder and so I've got their Twitter handles there that you can put in the show notes and uh, they I've just connected with them in the past couple months started listening to their their podcast and they're Canadian educators outside to the northwest of Toronto in the northwest of Toronto Canada on the out in the east coast and uh, they talk education they talk about things that are going in their on in their classroom and they're two fantastic individuals so you should go follow them oh I agree and all those people are on my list as well uh claudio too just he's a cool guy to hang out with we got to hang out a little bit at misty last year a couple different spots um i've had him on a podcast before and we've chatted we we've done a little work on on the back end together so he's a great guy not only to hang with but to work with and to learn from and just like you uh i can think specifically with his Adobe Spark lower thirds graphics tutorial and mm-hmm. importing those lower thirds into Flipgrid. That was something I learned that night, started working on, and rolled it out the very next day and started teaching teachers how to do the very same thing. And now uh, we do that in our district thanks to Claudio. So That's you great. never know, I know. Like, you know what's going to happen. Uh, test it out. Put it out there inspire someone you never know even if they never share it out you could be impacting them yeah yeah uh people don't always like and comment and retweet and all of that maybe they just maybe they're more of a lurker and they just kind of (laughs) take i know my boss is one of those mike rich uh he's okay with me saying it he's a self-admitted lurker uh he's one of those and that's okay um, not everybody's comfortable sharing, but I encourage you, Hey, push yourself a little bit because right. I did that. Yep. And then it just radically changed my life. I, in so many ways, I feel like those that I meet and chat with regularly on Twitter are like close family and friends. I kid you not when something's going on, when we had the baby, when my wife had a miscarriage last year, when I got the new job, right? Mm-hmm. There's so much involvement and care and kudos. And uh, I, I didn't post a picture of it because I'm a little leery. We've had some bad experiences mm-hmm. with quote unquote, like creepers. Mm-hmm. So I don't post pictures of my, my kids or my family online because of that experience Mm -hmm. or if i do i'll cover up their faces but uh jeff gargis uh gave me a teach better onesie for my my little guy uh it it just like made my day yeah uh it was awesome uh and teachers are so generous and the same is to be said for our twitter family so yeah for sure definitely find your pln absolutely get out there uh Going back to EdTech, though, uh, what are some tools right now that our listeners should be using if they're not using already? You should be using Adobe Spark. That's the first one. I uh, just finished a lesson with my middle school students today, and they're like, this is pretty cool. I'm like, you have no idea. You have no idea what you can do with this tool. That's a Adobe Spark post. Um, so I, I love Adobe Spark. I presented uh, at the MyPeta conference. Um, it was an online conference. I did two sessions, one on Adobe Spark video and the other session on post and pages. And uh, that was a great experience. You know, a number of educators 
came to the sessions, they had their screen, their cameras off. So I was talking to the moderator in the group, you know, in, in the Zoom room, um, but uh, the, the whole time. But we had some interaction and they left learning things. And I and that's just so great that Adobe Spark is so entry level. Like I, I'm, you know, a, not a big Adobe user other than I use Adobe Acrobat to read PDFs all the time. And uh, I use Adobe Spark as my primary creation tool. So that's uh, something that I love right now, teaching my students how to use it. My grade 11s, when we're working on newsletter projects, they need a graph place, someplace where they can make a graphic. They go there because it's that good. You know, you can make icons in there and you can annotate photos. Lots. Okay, I could, I could keep going on for about Spark for a long time. Um, another head tech tool that's really <laughs> important to me is, like I said before, it's Twitter. And the fact that Twitter allows me to connect with um, people like yourself and, uh, you know, Tim and others on, you know, Jeff and Ray on a regular basis. It's so fantastic. You got a question for somebody, go to DM and direct message them. Bang, you'll get an answer and people are pretty good. You know, the educational community on Twitter is fantastic. Twitter's gotten a bad rap because of some particular president, but, uh, um, you know, it's not a bad place. It's a great place for learning. And the third thing that I want to say for EdTech tools, I'm going to lump it all together, is Google for education. Google Docs, slides, forms, sheets, and the like that we use, Google Classroom that we use with our students, is uh, those are my favorite EdTech tools. You're right. We could do a whole session just on <laughs> Adobe Spark. Oh, yeah. And maybe that's a podcast idea. Maybe I need to. Maybe yep. I need to have you back, have okay. on Claudio, sure. and we could just have like uh, Adobe Spark roundtable, throw oh. Tim in there as well, because he uses it all the time as well. Okay. I think that'd be a great episode. Right, exactly. And let's get uh, let's get Ryan O'Donnell from uh, from Check This Out podcast. Oh. Yeah, 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 he he's great. He's not too far from me. He's nope. uh, less than a couple hours north in the yep. Rockland area from me. Yep. Great guy. Um, he towers over me. You can't tell. He's he's a a burly guy. Super yep. nice guy, <laughs> but I'm smaller in stature. Yeah. And he makes me feel quite small when I'm standing next to him. Then I'd and feel small for sure. Guy. Then I'd feel small for sure next to him. <laughs> that's why we should meet. That's why we should meet on Zoom because then, you know, we're all the same height. So uh, there you go. That's there right. you go. No exactly. height issues. Exactly. Um, but your beard still looks bigger. I'm growing mine out. But <laughs> it's nowhere near the size of yours. Thanks. <laughs> uh, with everything that's going on now. How do you envision uh, the educational landscape changing or evolving over the next five years or so? I think the educational landscape will evolve to be more accepting of alternative learning opportunities, as we have seen demonstrated since March of 2020. We've had to learn new tricks and deliver our content over the internet to students like never before. I work in an online school and we pride ourselves in being able to meet the needs of our students through our Moodle and online platforms. Um, but the rest of the world didn't know how to do that and they are mm -hmm. getting a sense that, wow, what these online teachers do is important. As I'm an online teacher, um, so this is not new to me, but the uptake of the ideas of the online learning for academics has been showcased as a positivity um, since COVID has started. There's bad online teaching. People 
don't know how to do it. And, but you know what, if you're not trying, you're right. then that's not teaching at all. So I would rather someone give it a go and have it not go well than not try at all. Um, I think teachers in the future, we're, so we're looking outside of COVID, hopefully, hopefully it's done, you know, in the next year or two, right? Um, mm -hmm. that they'll take a more blended hybrid approach to their education. And we might not require our students to come into the building every day, right? My prediction, I don't know. Um, it's not earth shattering but it is a settled down version of what we're doing right now with remote learning. So I think that our pedagogical approach and how we deliver content and have expectations of time of our students, I think that's gonna be how things are gonna change. Uh, I'm hoping for that future you're <laughs> predicting. Uh, I'm ready for it. I really am. Um, I went into the office a few times just to check out things. I also went to go try and locate a sit stand desk uh, for my home office and mm -hmm. see if I could borrow one from work uh, because I noticed I started packing on some pounds, not circulating around the room like I normally yep. do. And I, if I were doing my job normally, I'd be going to different classrooms mm -hmm. every single period or every single hour. That's right. If I'm at the elementary site, uh, trying to serve as many educators as possible and whatnot, and just being around circulating rooms, helping troubleshoot with mm -hmm. students yep. when I'm in the classroom uh, with them, uh, and I'd be okay. I, I walked you know, probably at least a couple miles a day just in my own classroom. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I would imagine just as much or more with the new job because I'll be going over the whole school essentially. Yeah, right. And then in the classroom, yeah. well, in my office, all I do is, you know, I get up, start work, <laughs> yeah. have my coffee, sit, and then sit, uh, take a break. I'll go for a walk. Yeah. If I'm not in a meeting, sometimes I get pulled into meetings like today, like, oh, uh, yep. sorry, there's a meeting in four minutes. Can yep. you join us? Okay, there goes my yep. my lunch plans. Okay, yep. I'll, I'll join, which is fine. Uh, uh, that's not a bad thing. It's just an interruption. And so uh, I went in for that one item and started helping people again. Yeah. Uh, they wouldn't let me go. They're like, I need you. Can you help me with this? Sure. Hey, I need you. Can you help me with this? And it was such a different experience while I'm helping tons of people online through one-on-one -on -one synchronous and asynchronous learning. Yeah. There was something to be said for physical contact. So when it's safe <laughs> and acceptable, uh, we need to do that. And I'm sorry, if you know me, unless it's like forbidden by law, I'm going to be giving some people some hugs. Like, you know, they're <laughs> outside of my wife and kids, uh, yeah. there hasn't been that human contact. Know, right? And uh, I, I miss that. So yeah. maybe you're not a hugger, but hopefully we could do like a cool handshake Absolutely. or fist bump exactly. or something. I had a student today, I was in class and it wasn't even, I was helping a teacher with Adobe Spark and getting it going with her students. And so I'm not in that class all the time, but one of the students is like, oh, Mr. Carpenter, I wish I could give you a fist bump right now. Cause you know, oh, but COVID <laughs> he says, and I'm like, yep, I get it, man. 
I, I feel that way. It, it's awkward sometimes if I'm out and connecting with somebody, like maybe we're waiting in the line at the grocery store and, you know, we're physically separated or six feet and whatnot, but we're chatting while we're in this super yeah. duper long line. And sometimes you want to just like shake their hand. Like we used to like, Hey, pleasure meeting you or give them a fist bump. And, you know, sometimes I'll go in and then I'll remember like, Oh, I can't do that. Yep. Um, you know, it's different. I want it yep. to go away. Uh, I'm ready. I know some yep, people sure. don't don't like that, but hey, uh, I need it. I, I need the physical aspect. It helps me connect with others. Um, speaking of helping others connect, uh, what's like a podcast other than this great podcast uh, that you would recommend to <laughs> to our listeners well you know you asked about books podcasts or youtube channels i don't watch youtube a lot i don't read books very well i'm not a reader but podcast wise i'm going to recommend to you teachers on fire with tim cavey and you should follow tim on twitter instagram and on youtube he puts out some amazing content and uh, is a really solid individual and so that's my recommendation i've got others in my podcast deck but uh that's the one I'll share with you right now. Yeah, that's a great one. And as we close, what's one piece of advice you'd like to leave the audience with? Be yourself confidently as you have much to offer this world. Oh, that's beautiful. I'm going to end it there. And Brian, I can't wait until we connect in real life. And listeners, uh, whenever that happens, I'll be posting a pic for sure on Twitter. So keep your eyes out and or open for that. Uh, I'm getting tired. <laughs> <laughs> thanks again, Brian. All right. Thanks, Scott, so much for having me. It's been great to talk with you today. Thank you for listening to Education Today. It is my pleasure to share with you all Let's stay connected on Twitter. You can find me at Mr. Noons Teach. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast on the player of your choice and give Education Today a positive review on Apple Podcasts. Remember, everyone, out here in this field of education, it's grind time.